Amen. How many people are blessed in the presence of the Lord this afternoon? And I know for my part, I am very blessed. I want to thank the worship team for your faithfulness in this ministry, in bringing us into the presence of God. It is a holy, sacred work that you do, and we are grateful for it. I hope you guys are happy to be in the presence of the Lord in the house of the Lord this Sunday afternoon. It's a beautiful South Florida day. The sun is out. You know, you all look like your sunshine yourself. Point to your neighbor. Tell them you look good. You look sharp this afternoon. Amen. So we are continuing with our series, Fall Classics. Fall Classics started with Pastor Perry. He preached on the most popular verse of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. That was first base. And then we went to Philippians 4.13. What does that say? But not you, Pastor, because you preached it. I can do all things through him. Amen. And then last week we went um, and said, you know, sometimes things can be hard. You can go through from a place of peace to a place of chaos, but trust in God because God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Amen. Amen. So, so today we're going back. Today we're going back to the beginning. And I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. If you have a hard time finding it, go to the table of content. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Father, open our eyes so that there might be light in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we read those words of Scripture, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, I feel like sometimes when we approach Scripture, because we approach it from our place of understanding, we don't understand the magnitude of the words that we are reading. Because we have a limited understanding, whether of science or of history, we don't understand the magnitude of those words. So before we go into the word, I think it's important that we understand the scope of what was said. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So the scientists, they say that oh, the whole universe is, 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 can be contained in four things. You know, for those of you who are like me, who like the Marvel Universe, you know how they had the infinity stones, the six things? But the scientists, they have four things, right? One is time, the other one is energy, the other one is space, and the other one is matter. And the whole universe can be contained in those four things. So first page, first words of the Bible, God says, in the beginning, that's time, God created, you create with what? Energy, the heavens, that's space, and the earth, that's matter. From the beginning, God shows his dominion over the whole universe, over everything. 
Now, for us to understand what that means, I think it's important that we understand the scope. So first, let me say this. Snapzoo.com, whoever that is, evaluate that if you would take all humans, so the average human male, I think, is four, 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 four feet eight. Four, 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 how do you say that? Cinq pieds eight. Five eight, five eight. Five eight is the average man, and five three is the average woman in, in size, right? So if you take the whole humanity, all seven or eight billion people that are on earth, and you stack them side by side with about three feet on each side, and you stack them side by side, they will fill a space about a little bit bigger than the state of Delaware. So if you don't know the state of Delaware, it's not a big state. Florida is 28 times bigger than the state of Delaware. So the whole humanity could fit in a little piece of land in the United States. And just to put this in context, if you would take the country of Russia, you could fill up 16 trillion human beings over the whole surface of Russia. And so the earth is three and a half million times bigger than the average human. So you look outside, you look at the Earth's beautiful, big, nice mountains. The Earth is three million, three and a half million times bigger than the average human. And then you have the solar system. The solar system is 36 billion times bigger than the Earth. And the solar system, so it's all the planets going around our sun. And our sun is just one star amongst um, the stars in our galaxy. As a matter of fact, the Milky Way has 200 billion stars. Now let that sink in. The galaxy that we're in has 200 billion stars. So if that was money, um, the earth would be $3 million, and then solar system is 36 billion times 3 million, and then the Milky Way is 200 billion stars. And then you have what they call the local group of galaxies, which I didn't put because of space. But then you jump when the, you do with the local group of galaxies. Then you have a super cluster of galaxies. And that super cluster of galaxies is 11 times bigger than the local group. And then you go from the local, the, the super cluster to the super cluster complex. That's the next slide. So you have the super complex cluster complex, which is 12 times the super cluster, which is 11 times more than the local group. And then after that, you have what they call the observable universe. The observable universe is 10 times the super cluster. And the image that you see up there is kind of a map of the... Um, the observable universe. So it's not the full universe. It's the universe that we can observe from Earth. And the map that you see, they were able to do it because they detected a, what they call cosmic background light. Cosmic background light, which is a light that you cannot see with the eye, but that with their instrument they can detect. And in their theory, it says it's the light that started when the Big Bang happened. When the Big Bang exploded, it unleashed the light that permeates the universe. 
Now, I don't know about the Big Bang Theory, but I do know about a big God that says, let there be light. I do know about a God that says in the beginning, let there be light. And it's funny because when you argue with people about the word, they always say, well, if God created the light, how come the sun came after the light and they try to catch you? And that shows a limitation of the human mind. But what the word says back thousand years ago, let there be light. And there was light. And then it says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. When you look at all those documentaries of, of space, right? You look at Mars, you look at the moon, you look at all of those planets that we can see. They all have one thing in common. They look like crap. I'm sorry. They look bad. They look, they look like what the Bible says. They look, they're, they're without form and they're void. They're empty. They're dead. They're, they don't have life. They're not like earth. You know what we see in the, in the movies or whatever? That's make believe. But what so far in the planets that we've been able to observe, they're all void and empty. The, the Hebrew text says tohu bohu, which has a sense of Chaos, it, 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 it's, it's rough, it's wilderness, it's, it's dead. But then God gets in action. And when he gets in action, he, he transforms the face of the earth and he makes it into this beautiful planet, the blue planet. And then so now you have streaming rivers, you have majestic mountains, you have beautiful variety of animal. It, it's kind of like, I don't know if you're like me, but I like to travel and I like nature. I like sometimes to go and, and, and see nature. Like when I was in Mexico, I went on a mountain one time, and the mountain was called Sindiwi. Sindiwi in that native language meant the feet of heaven. And, and it was such a beautiful sight. I'm standing on the mountain, and from the mountaintop, you're looking down to the clouds. The mountain is so high that it's above the clouds. And, and, and I'm like, oh, man. Back then, we didn't have all those cell phones, and I'm like... I forgot my camera and I couldn't take a picture, but I said, you know what? You can only take a picture with your heart and with your mind. And that scene always stayed with me. This planet is beautiful. This planet is all, and we live in a, I think in a great state. If you have time, you go to the beach. It's beautiful. But you have the mountains, the mountains of Georgia, the mountains of, uh, in Europe. You have African landscape that's like no other landscape on earth. If you have time and you go even to, to Haiti and you, you can go in Haiti in the mountains or you go to Labadie or you go to Bassin Bleu for those of you who know those places. You go to the palace. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Don't believe everything you see on TV. Haiti is a beautiful place. Africa is a beautiful place. You have beautiful place all over this world. And they were created by God. And here's what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 4 says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But these last days, he has spoken to us by, the, by his son, whom he appointed to the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for the sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
the, all the beauty that you see in the world, all the majesticness of, of the universe, the earth, the solar system, the, the, the galaxy, the cluster, the supercluster, the supercluster complex, and the whole observable universe, he says, is, is held together by the power of his word. By the power of his word, he holds the whole thing together. And, and I feel sometimes, sometimes we were not that dedicated to God because we don't understand the magnitude of his power. We're not as dedicated to Christ because we don't understand who he really is. He said, the Bible says he holds the whole universe by the power of his word. And then follow with me. Verse four, he says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And to understand that passage, uh, the best way to understand a biblical passage is with another biblical passage. So jump with me in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, it says, and, and I want you to picture this, right? John has a vision of heaven. John has a picture of heaven, and he says, he gets there and he see a big gate and then he get, he comes through the gate and he sees a throne and ar around the throne there's four living creatures and 24 elders and that's the throne that controls everything in the universe and 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 there's a, a a standstill in heaven at that point because there's the scrolls and the scrolls have to be opened for for the rest of history to unfold but nobody is found worthy to open those scrolls so they went and, and they asked okay well is Abraham able to open those scrolls and Abraham wasn't qualified to open the scroll they went and saw the David the king after God's own heart surely he will be able to open the scroll no David he's a murderer he can't do it he can't open the scroll Solomon couldn't do it. They asked me and I said, guys, I can't do it either. So then they said, and then John is like, oh, snap. And he started crying and he started weeping and weeping and weeping. But then an elder goes down and says to John, don't weep. Don't weep. Don't weep because the lamb, the line of the tribe of Judah, he is worthy to open the scrolls. He is worthy for history to unfold. And then John says this in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. He says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. And let me quiz you, who has been slain? Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. And before we continue, so you have a lamb that looks like he has been slain. So that's like you've been killed. But he's not laying down. He is standing. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain, but he rose from the dead. He rose and he lives forever. And after he died and rose, he went to sit on the throne. And here's, and we continue and it says, And the Lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Seven horns. So if you study the book of Revelation, you know that the horns is a symbol of authority and power. And that seven is the number of completeness and perfection, which means the lamb, he has perfect authority and perfect power. So he, he, he is almighty. And, 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 and then the eyes are the sign of knowledge. It's, it's the seven eyes means he has perfect knowledge. And they are the spirit of God that goes seven spirit of God that go throughout the earth, which means he has perfect presence. He is omni 
omnipotent. He has full power. He is omniscient. He has full knowledge. He is all present. That means the Lamb is almighty God. He is almighty God. And, 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 and it's with that mindset that we go in our passage today, which is John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1 that we read, it goes like this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was the world. He was in the world, and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to, to what, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, Amen. Amen. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So understand this. When we're talking about the word, when you're talking about Jesus, I, I feel like one of the problems that we have is when I say Jesus, you see the white guy that's on TV. The guy with the beard and the, the hair. And you think that that's Jesus. That's not Jesus. You have to understand Jesus is the first cause, right? Jesus is the one who started everything. In the beginning was the word. So before there was time, before there was uh, watches and the understanding of movement of time, he was there. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, if you understand scripture, the I am means I am that I am. When Moses was asking Jehovah, oh, when I go deliver the people, who should I say sent me? He says, say, I am that I am. And in Hebrew, the verb, the word Jehovah is very close to the word to be. He is the one that is eternal. He is the one that is eternal. So before even the, the, the whole universe that we see, he was there. It's funny because I was um, watching a TED Talk one of these days, and the guy was saying how the universe, you know, the universe, according to the scientists, it's expanding, right? But there's something that they don't understand, is normally the way gravity works, if I take this, right, and I throw it up, it's going to go up, but then it's going to slow down, and it's going to come back down because gravity is going to pull it back. And so that's what they're expecting with the universe. They see the universe is expanding, but they're expecting the universe to slow down and contract back. But in recent analysis, they realize that the universe, according to them, is not, is not slowing down. It's actually going faster. And they don't understand why it's going faster. And the only way that there could be something that, that, that it would be go faster is if there's something on the other side. Is if there's another power, another source of gravity pulling it. Understand that the universe that we can see, the reality that you can see right now is limited. But God, he is unlimited. 
And Jesus is the first cause. He's the one that started everything. So when we say come to Christ, what we're telling you is come back to the source. When we say come to Jesus, what we're telling you is come back to whence you came from yourself. Because nothing that was made was made without him. So nothing that was made, not even you, was made without him. So when we call you to come to Jesus, all we're telling you to do is come back to the source of who you were meant to be. The source of who you were meant to be. And that is the first the first cause. The Bible says, in their hearts, God has put the thought of eternity. And the whole goal of life. It's to come back to the source. It's to come back to the one who created you. So understand first that he is the first cause. But understand second that he is the true life. It says in verse 4 and verse 5. It says in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. I know in America, it's a country where we want to live large. I want to live, right? It's a country where, you know what? If you put your act together, you can make a lot of money. You can have a, a good career. You know, you can, you can make things happen. You can have a life. Right? Have a big house. Have a big car. Have all of that. But understand this, that the true life is Jesus Christ. The true life is Christ. It's not only that he has life to give. He is life. He is life. And so without him, you are not living. You're only existing. Without him, you do not have life. You have existence. Life is vitality. Life is purpose. Life is, 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 is growing. And you can only have that in Christ. Otherwise, you're existing. Otherwise, you're existing. It says, John says, in, in, in 1 John, he says, If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And when Jesus prays, and we, we, we spoke about that in the, in the past weeks, he says, when Jesus prays, he prays for, for us. He prays for the sheep that are then and the sheep that are to come, which is us. And he says, he prays that we might have eternal life. And eternal life is that they know and if you guys have been around, you know that the knowing is intimate knowledge. It's intimate relationship. That they know you and the one whom you've sent, Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus not only has life, he is life. He is the true life. So he is the first cause. He is the true life. And he provides true transformation. True transformation. Verse 12 to 13, he says... Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husbands, or of a husband's will, but born of God. It's funny, sometimes you talk to people and they're like, and they're on all sides and they're like, oh, only black people can be saved. Oh, only white people can be saved. And both are wrong. 
Both are wrong because salvation doesn't come of natural descent. It doesn't come from natural birth. It comes from rebirth in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white, Hispanic. If you come to Christ, you can have life. It doesn't matter if your your father, your forefathers, they, they were bad people. If you come to Christ, you can have life. He says to all, he came to his own. That was verse 11. He came to his own. They rejected him. They said, oh no, we, 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 we don't want you. But then he opened the door to everyone. So those who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right. To become children of God. That's complete transformation. That's, that's like you're, you're of a new family. You're a new nature. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. It says, God became man to turn creatures into son, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of men. Not simply to produce a better man of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. Understand, like I was talking to a friend at work, and he was asking me, he says, Dave, have you heard of Chrislam? You guys heard of Chrislam? Chrislam is the attempt right now to merge Christianity and Islam. To say pretty much that Christianity and Islam are the same thing, so they might as well be one. And I said, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I heard of it. I'm not surprised. And, and, and honestly, it makes sense. It makes sense. If your Christianity is a religion, it might as well be gobbled up with any other religion. But Jesus did not come to preach a religion. He came to show you a path for a relationship with the Father. He came to transform you. He didn't come to just make you a good citizen. He came to make you a totally different man. He came to make you born again. He didn't come for you to be... So the Muslims are living a life and they're being good citizens. A Christians, they're living a life. They could be good citizens. There are people born in America in a Christian context that are Christian. That doesn't mean they're saved. That doesn't mean they're saved. Salvation is not of a religion. It's of a person, Jesus Christ. And, and maybe you're here, you're coming to church because you know what? You know, I, I've been acting up. I want to put my life together. You cannot put your life together. You need to come to Christ for him to put your life together. So if you come and you do the church thing just so you could be a good citizen, you're going to hell. You're going straight to hell because church cannot save you. This building cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. And it's when you come to him that he can transform you and make you to a better man. St. Augustine says, as it is, there is one road and only and one only well secured against all possibility of going astray. And this road is provided by one who is himself God and man. As God, he is the goal, and as man, he is the way. As God, he is the goal, and as man, he is the way. Our goal is to be in the presence of God. Our goal is to be in communion with, with him, with the Father. And, and there's nothing more beautiful than to be in communion with the Father. I, I, I was, I was, I was sleeping the other day. 
And um, first thing, my daughter, the last one, Bella, you know, if you have children, enjoy when they're young and loving. And she wakes up and she gives me a kiss on the cheek. First thing, she oh, that light up my heart. That's what the father wants. That's what the father wants. It's not that she's going to work, she can give me, she can give me nothing in terms of financial gain. But when you love someone, their very presence brings you joy. Jesus loves you. Our first verse was what? For God so loved the world. God loves you so that your very presence brings joy to his heart. And so our goal is to go to him and we go to him through Jesus Christ. But guess what? He looks at us through Jesus Christ too. He looks at us through Jesus Christ. So sometimes when we go and, and we're imperfect, right? We're not perfect. We, we, we mess up day in, day out. And we might feel like, oh, you know what? God doesn't want to see me because I committed this sin or I committed that sin. But I want to tell you, he's not looking at you through the lens of your sin. He's looking at you through the lens of Jesus' perfection. So when you come into his presence, you don't come into his presence from a place of shame. You come into his presence from a place of redemption. And, and now when you're in his presence, he's looking at you through Christ and he sees you perfect. Not because you're perfect in your own merit, but you're making, being made perfect in Christ. And so whatever you've done in the past, you can have confidence that you can come into the presence of God, not because of you, you're going into your own merits. You're going in there because of the merit of Christ, what he did. So as God, he is our goal, but as man, he is the way. Once again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he is the first cause. Everything starts with him. He, in the beginning, it's him. Whatever you want to do in life, by the way, you might want to start with him, right? Because if everything you do in life, if you're not starting with him, it is bound to fail. But if you start with him, it is bound to succeed. He is the true, he is the first cause, but then he is the true life. And the, the verse said that the life is the light. And, and, Kind of like in the beginning when he took the Tohu Bohu and the chaos of, of, of the earth and he put it into this beautiful planet. I want to tell you this afternoon, he can take the darkness that's in your life. He can take the chaos that's in your life. When you come to him and when you grow in him, it's a process. When you grow in him, he takes that chaos and he makes it into something beautiful because he is a true life. And in that life, we have true transformation. We have true transformation. You can put a suit, you can put a tie, but if you have, don't have transformation from the inside, it's all for nothing. But if you have transformation from the inside, I don't care if you're ripped jeans and t-shirt, you're going into the presence of God. You're going into the presence of God in the communion. And so the only thing that he requires from us, the only thing that we can do in response, we don't have enough money to pay for salvation. That's why salvation is free. What, 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 what money could you bring to the table? He, what money? You can buy it. You can purchase it. You can earn it. The only thing you could do is true surrender. It's to surrender to him. 
It's true surrender. And it's not Sunday morning surrender. It's full abandon for him. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? And that was Matthew 16. True surrender. If you want to come after me, deny yourself. And, and you notice he says, if you, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose it, you will gain it. We said that life, natural life, is only existing. So when you're trying to make it in the natural life, you're trying only to exist. You're trying to only, you're not looking for what, you're not really look. you don't know what you're looking for. It's like my brother Sam likes to say, you know, you can grab the ladders of, of, of life and you reach the top of the ladder, but it sucks when you get on top and you find out you're on the wrong building. When you climb the ladder of life and then you find that you're in the wrong, you find you're on top, but you're in the wrong building. This afternoon, I want to invite you to climb the right ladder and to go where life really is. So you've been looking, you've been looking, you've been looking all in the wrong places. You've been looking in alcohol, it's not, it's not going to work. You've been looking into other drugs and abuse or whatever, it's not going to work. The only place where you can find satisfaction is when you surrender totally to Him. When you surrender to Him. And I'm going to close with Revelation. Take you back to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 to 15. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and, of, and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands times ten thousand. They circled the throne and, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise forever and ever. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on, and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Understand this. At the end, all of creation, you and me, we're all in front of the throne and we're doing one thing. We're praising him. We're praising him. So my invitation for you this afternoon is to come. Because he is worthy of the praise. He is worthy of the worship. He is worthy of everything. So my invitation is for us to worship Him because He is worthy. God bless you.